the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso. And you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. You know, exciting things are happening in the world, brothers and sisters. And we should make sure to continue to focus on the promises of God and where God is leading us. Because something that I wanted to talk about is that part of our job as Christians and representatives of the kingdom of God is that it's our job to be a light into the world. Now, currently in the world, you may look around and you might see darkness, right? You might see wicked things that people are doing. You might see all kinds of ungodly aspects of culture and behavior. You see, as the light, it's actually our job to drive back the darkness. Something that happened in the Old Testament when the Israelites were entering into the Promised Land is that there were a number of nations that were already inhabiting that land that was promised to them. And these nations practiced idol worship, they practiced witchcraft, and all kinds of things that were not pleasing to God. And actually, truthfully, many Christians kind of underestimate the kind of wicked deeds that were performed by the heathen nations during the times of Joshua. It says in 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, and I'm reading in the NIV version. It says, In the seventeenth year of Pekah, son of Ramalia, Ahaz, son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was twenty years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem sixteen years. But unlike his father David, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He followed in the ways of the kings of Israel, and even sacrificed his son in the fire engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before Israelites. Look at this. This was a king of Judah sacrificing his own son to some idol. You see, in this day and age, the thought of a human sacrifice is so far outside of the norm that everybody would immediately come against somebody doing something like that. But here, this king of Judah, he's sacrificing his own son to an idol. And then the scripture says that these were the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. That means that many of these Canaanite nations practiced things like human sacrifices. And then the scripture continues, This king, he offered sacrifices and burnt incenses at the high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. Okay, so this kind of witchcraft and idol worship under this king became commonplace. 
So much to the point to where when he was willing to sacrifice his own son to these false gods, there wasn't an outcry in Israel. It was normal for them. See, something that happens is that when you are surrounded by ungodliness, you stop recognizing something as ungodly. You know, Lot, when he first pitched his tent towards Sodom, right? He wasn't first living among them, but then after a few years, he found himself living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And when the angels came to warn Lot, hey, you have to get out of here because of the judgment of the Lord is coming, right? It says these three men came, and at the time, there was these hordes of men that were going around through the city, sleeping with whoever they wanted. And they saw these men. They saw that they were very good looking. So they started banging on Lot's door, and they said, send those men out to us, give them to us, so that we can have our way with them, right? So this was something that was commonplace in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot, the way that he responds, he says, no, don't do this. That would be very wicked. Here, both of my daughters never been married. They've never been with a man. Take one of them and do with them what you will. Imagine a father offering his daughters to a horde of strangers that are going around like this, right? But for Lot, because he was surrounded by this culture of ungodliness, he didn't recognize it as something abnormal, okay? He didn't recognize it. And this is something that happens is that when you are living in a culture that does not follow God, that does not adhere to his ways of doing things, you don't, you begin to get to a place where you don't recognize some things as ungodly that are ungodly, okay? And this is part of the reason why we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We do not partake in the culture of the world. Instead, we're supposed to transform that culture in a way that befits the kingdom of God. So this king of Judah, he started practicing these wicked practices, and he made idol worship and witchcraft and these things commonplace in the nation. But we know these are the kinds of practices that the nations prior to Israel practiced. In 2 Chronicles chapter 33, it talks about Manasseh, who was one of the most wicked kings in all the history of Israel. It says in verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before Israel. This is the important point, which is that the promised land was an allotment of land that God had set apart as part of the promise to the Israelites. He said, this is the land that you're going to inhabit in. You're going to establish a kingdom whose God is the Lord, right? That's what literally happened when God established the nation of Israel. It was a kingdom whose leader and king was God himself. And that's the model that the kingdom of God is supposed to follow like. But that land was inhabited by people who practiced ungodliness, witchcraft, all kinds of wicked things. But as the Israelites obeyed God, all of those dark and wicked practices, they were all driven out, right? In the same way today, our obedience to God will drive back the darkness. So we continue here. So Manasseh did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He followed the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. 
He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord has said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. Here, this holy place that God had set aside, he was building idols and false gods in the midst of that holy place. In both the courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. Now listen to this next part. Manasseh sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben-Himon and practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil, eyes of the Lord arousing his anger. Imagine, so Manasseh not only sacrificed, provided human sacrifices of one of his own sons, it says many of his own children he offered as human sacrifices. Now, I imagine any parent, just the thought of sacrificing one of your children to some idol or for some occultic practice is so abhorrent that it would make you sick to your stomach, just the thought of doing something like that. But in this time, something like that was commonplace. But unfortunately for Manasseh, he did things so wicked. It says, if you go down to Second Chronicles 33, verse 9, it says, But Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray, so they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. In the time of Joshua, all of those wicked deeds and wicked practices were driven out of the land. And this is the reason why God gave sometimes very strict instructions about you will not intermingle with the other nations, you will not intermarry within the other nations, you will not follow any of their practices, you will not adorn yourselves, you know, because there's a lot of laws in those days about cutting your hair, about things like tattoos, right? Because in that era... Those people who were practicing idolatry and witchcraft, they would mark their skin as a sign of the kinds of gods that they worshipped and the kinds of things that they practiced. This is the reason why God was so strict as to how they interacted with the culture of the Canaanites. Because it was their job as his people not to partake in that culture not to assimilate into it. No, it was their job to drive out and replace that culture with the kingdom of God. And this is what happened. If you read through the book of Joshua, through their obedience to God, all of those nations were driven back. Those wicked practices were done away with. And if you read through it, you know, when, that, when a fortress or fortified city was there, God knocked it down. When there was a big army, God provided deliverance. And at the end of Joshua, it reads through 31 different kings that were defeated by the Israelites. So all of these things were transformed. And in our modern day, you can look at the land that God has promised to the body of Christ as an allotment that is part of his plan. And what I'm referring to is that there are many Christians even those of you that are hearing the sound of my voice, that are called to make a transformative impact on today's culture. Some of you are called to the media industry. Some of you are called to the finance industry. Some of you are called to real estate and healthcare and insurance. These are arenas, and you know we can speak to any of these industries, education, politics, all of them. 
These are arenas where right now, in our modern day, there is ungodliness, there are systems acting according to the Babylonian system, right? You can look at just the surface level, right, where, where people push things like wokeisms, people push things like their own political agendas, they're pushing things like transgender ideologies, communism, all kinds of ideologies. And then you can go deeper where there are actual abuses and things like human trafficking taking place that are being protected by people with influence and power, right? These are all wicked and ungodly practices where if you start focusing on those things, man, it looks really grim. It looks really dark. But something that happens is that since we are the light of the world, when God sends us into those industries, those dark things get driven back. It can't stand against you. And that's part of the role that we play. Just like those wicked nations were driven back when the Israelites obeyed God, when they entered the promised land, now in our current day, when we enter into those industries, the darkness, the corruption, the greed, and the wickedness, all of it will be driven back and transformed. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the kind of role we are supposed to play. When the light turns on, the darkness has to scatter. It has to scatter. It says in John chapter 1, verse 5, The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so this is an important thing about our perspective. So if we're the light, what happens is the light never has to concern itself with the darkness. When the light appears, darkness has to scatter. A simple example of this is that if we look to the beginning of creation, when God created the heavens and the earth, during the creation story, what was there at the beginning? We know that the scripture tells us the earth was formless and void, and darkness was hovering over the surface of the deep, right? So there was darkness, there was chaos, there was not light, right? But when God spoke, he said, let there be light, and suddenly all the darkness scatters away. Now, when God spoke, he wasn't focusing on the darkness. Oh, look at how formless the earth is. Oh, look at all this darkness. Look at how bad this is. You see, it's really easy if you start focusing on the wickedness or darkness It's really easy to start to get deeper and deeper and deeper into this hole of cynicism, this hole of scoffing, where you're thinking, oh, yeah, I can't believe how wicked these politicians are. Oh, can you believe what they're doing in Hollywood? They're doing this and they're pushing this agenda, right? And you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And trust me, I've gone down some of those rabbit holes and seen just how deep and how those depths of despair were suddenly. You have no hope anymore. Everything looks horrible. You, you talking about just all the wicked things that they're doing, and that's all you end up focusing on. But you see, when God 
looked at the world and darkness was hovering over it and was formless and void, he didn't see it as it was. He saw it as what it would be when his word was loosened forth. When we look at those industries, our job's to be light. So when we look at them, we need to see them with God's eyes. We don't focus on the darkness. The darkness is supposed to scatter when we show up. And that's the different mindset. And this is why it is not productive to go deep and deep and deep into these conspiracy theories and deep and deep and deep into these rantings about all the things the politicians are doing. We can recognize when there's wickedness, but if that is the only thing you're focusing on, you are not being a light. You're pointing at the darkness. And that's not productive for the kingdom of God. Just as the scripture told us, as we just read, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. You can only just throw it out. If you're not being a light, you're not being productive for the kingdom of God. So what the mindset has to shift is that it's our job to be the transformative influence in those cultures and industries. So we can look at the arts and entertainment, we can look at politics and education, and in their current state of things, yes, they're wicked, but light is coming to that arena. The presence of God is coming to that arena. So we have to see it through the promise of God. And this is what happens if we go back to the times of Moses, because God intended for that first generation that was brought out of slavery to enter into the promised land. And God sent spies, right? He took a spy from every tribe of Israel, and there was 12 of them, and they were sent out into the land to investigate it. And when they came back, 10 of them had a bad report, right? They said, oh my gosh, the inhabitants of the land, they're like giants. We're just like locusts or little insects to them. We have no chance, and they've got all these fortresses and armies. It's hopeless. How are we ever going to get past? And some of them are practicing witchcraft, and some of them are doing this and that, right? Those 10 spies, they were focusing on the darkness. They were focusing on how bad the state of the situation was. However, Joshua and Caleb, who were the two spies that came back with a good report, what did they say? Oh, the land is fertile, right? Oh, we're going to be able to grow a lot of crops here, right? Oh, wow. Look at how it's overflowing. Look at all the blessings here, right? The adversities were still there, but they weren't looking at the land through the lens of the natural. They were looking at the land through the lens of the promise of God, which is that God said, I am giving this land to you. And so when they looked at it through that lens, they were thinking, oh my gosh, look at the land, how fertile it is. We can set up some farms here. Maybe there's going to be a city here right next to this. They were seeing all the potential that came as a result of the promise of God. And this is the kind of mindset we have to have when we're looking at politics, education, media, technology. Because yes, there is wickedness there, but it's our job to be the solution to those problems. We don't focus on the darkness. We're the light of the world. And that's the kind of mindset shift that we have to undergo. And we have to start being productive. Us sitting around and complaining about how bad things are, what is that doing? That is focusing on the darkness. And something that happened, okay, was, so these spies, they came back from the promised land and they investigated. And the 10 spies, they were saying, oh my gosh, no, it's hopeless. It's so bad. Can you believe how bad all of these things are? And Joshua and Caleb tried to convince them, no, the Lord has promised us this land. It's a good land. It's fertile. The Lord will surely 
give these people into our hands. But what happened was, those ten spies, they spread a bad report around the camp. Right? They, st- they started the murmurings. They started saying, oh, it's hopeless. We should go back to Egypt. And so they created a little mini rebellion inside the Israelites. And they were saying, we're going to go to Egypt. We're going to leave Moses. We're going to go back to our old ways of doing things. Forget the promise of God. And when Joshua and Caleb tried to convince them, no, it's a good land. We should try to obey God. The scripture says that many of the people started talking about stoning Joshua and Caleb. It's like, forget these people. We're going to stone them. We're going to kill them. And we're going to leave. Now, I want you to think about this because all of these spies and all the Israelites, they were all brothers and sisters. They believed the same God. They received the same promise. But here in this place, the two people that believed God, they encountered oppositions. They encountered delays because of the unbelief of their brothers. And not only that, the spies and the Israelites that didn't want to believe God, not only did they you know, just decide not to follow Moses and Joshua, they became an active an active obstacle and stumbling block for those who did believe. This is even true today, brothers and sisters, which is that sometimes when you're trying to obey God, some of the biggest obstacles are created by other Christians that don't want to believe God, that don't want to obey God. Sometimes it's because they want to limit the move of the Holy Spirit because they're comfortable where they're at. Sometimes it's because maybe they feel like they're getting surpassed and they want to limit other people's potential to surpass them. But regardless, we're brothers and sisters. We should be supporting one another. But that spirit that came upon the Israelites, that, oh, we're going to stone Joshua and Caleb and we're going to go back to Egypt. That's the same kind of spirit that Cain had when he killed Abel. Because Abel, he gave good sacrifices and God blessed him. And when Cain saw that, right, he wanted to blame anybody else. Oh, it's God's fault. God's favoring Abel. It's Abel's fault because he did this and that. But when God appeared before him, God didn't say, oh yeah, no, I'm giving favoritism to Abel. No. He said, if you would do right, would you not also be blessed? And you know, that's not the kind of answer you want to hear, right? When things are not going well, and you're not being blessed, and then you're seeing other people be blessed, and you have this resentment towards them, you want to be able to blame God, or you want to be able to blame them. But in this case, God said, if you would do right, would you not be blessed? You are the reason. And this is what he's saying to Cain, right? What he said to Cain, you are the reason why I have not blessed you. And so Cain did not like that. And so because of that, he, a murderous spirit came upon him. And that's the kind of murderous spirit that was now upon the Israelites. Here these two men wanted to obey God. And they're thinking, we're going to stone him and we're going to go. Because they couldn't, they were focusing on the darkness. They were focusing on the wickedness in the world rather than the promise of God. Remember, as we obey God, the darkness will be driven back because we are the light. 
that is true today, just as it was true back then. So if you are looking at the political arena, education, media, any of what's going on in the world, and you're seeing all the darkness, then it's time for you to start obeying God so that you can become the light that drives back the darkness. We're supposed to be the solution. We are not supposed to be a part of the problem. And so that's the model that God has given us for this day. And I know that he so desires to move mightily in this generation. And I know that if we obey God, we're going to see this nation transformed in a way that has never happened in its history. And truthfully, if you look at what's going on in the culture right now, the generations, they really are primed and ready for a revival. There is so much purposelessness, hopelessness, and despair in the world right now. We need a move of God now more than ever. And if we, the church, shape up, it can happen. And the people are ready for it, guys. The, the fields are ripe for the harvest. If we just obey God, things are going to start moving. And that's the kind of lens that I choose to look at the world. Because we know what God has promised for this nation. And I know he is willing and able to do it. But I'm out of time for this week, so I want to thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Joshua Sasso. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Until next time, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I dot org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this broadcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to SOGMI.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.